Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Tim Hughes. Tim is the CEO and co-founder of DLA Ignite, as well as being the author of Social Selling, Techniques to Influence Buyers and Changemakers. That book, which was published in 2016, was so well-received that it will soon be out in a second edition, a huge accomplishment considering how crowded the publishing space is. So, hi, Tim. How are you? Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Kelly. That was a fantastic introduction. Thank you. Well, we love our authors here on the Sourcing Hero podcast. <laughs> it's, um, it's, it takes a lot of time to, to, to put something like a book together. So I appreciate uh, when absolutely. someone does something like that, like that. And it takes a lot of time, but it also takes a lot of knowledge and experience. And so there is much more to you than your your company or your book. What should people know about your personal and professional journey to this point? Um, well, my background is that uh, I've been in sales, um, been in sales for uh, 25 years. Um, I used to work for a very large American um, software company um, and um, uh, selling accounting and procurement software. Uh, and um, I decided six, seven years ago, I wanted to do something different. And uh, I started playing around with social media and ended up setting up my own company, getting a book deal. And um, the rest is history, as they say. So interesting that you have that that background in sales. And obviously, we're here. We do actually have some sales and account reps in the Sourcing Hero podcast audience, but majority procurement and sourcing. I'm curious. What exactly is social selling? Um, it's a good question, Kelly. And um, a lot of people think that it's basically selling on social, and it's not. Um, a lot, you know, a lot of people because they're used to traditional selling methods, which are based on interruption, uh, where you know I cold call you, which is an interruption. I send you an email; it's an interruption, or advertising; it's an interruption. What they think is that they come to social media and immediately it's an interruption and it's not because we all hate that. We all hate getting the, oh, yes. the connection request, which <laughs> is a pitch or the connection request. Um, and then it becomes a pitch. Um, and in fact, we have a, as humans have a psychological condition where we, where anything like that means that it puts us in a flight or fight situation. Um, so, um, um, and I think, you know, the world has changed and, and, and people understand that and people understand the fact that we all now have mobile phones. And if we want to buy something, we can go online and we can start searching for it. So to answer your question, we actually have a definition of social selling, which is it's using your presence and behavior on social media to build influence, make connections, grow relationships and trust, which lead to conversations and commercial interaction. So anything that, that that is sold in the B two B space, 
where, or even in the B2C space where it's a con- considered purchase, like a BMW, for example, um, requires a conversation. You're unlikely. You, you may go online and buy a $50,000 SUV from BMW online. You can do that now, sure. but you're more likely to go and have a conversation with somebody about it. And really, social media is its the, the hints in the name. It's, it's social media. It's about being social on media. And research shows that's why people come. They don't come to be pitched with brochures or have or come to read brochures. They come to social for insight, to be educated, to um, talk to experts, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, um, and that's the change and the transformation that's taken place with social media. Well, and what's so interesting, and, and I completely agree with you about the, the changes that have been brought on the ways all of us interact around everything, whether it's purchasing or meeting people or finding information. And yet some of the tendencies, some of the behaviors that are sort of at the foundation of all of this remain unchanged. And especially that procurement and sales relationship. I mean, at the end of the day, Procurement is trying to get something, whether a product or a service, that meets their needs and at a good price so that they're creating value. And sales is doing the opposite thing, but the two have to come together in order for both enterprises to be successful long-term. So I'd be curious from your perspective, I have a feeling procurement and sales may have a little bit more in common than we would like to admit. Uh, but what is it that we need to know about each other in order to partner and collaborate more effectively on this value creation journey? I think that um, what sale, sales now is very different than what it was 30 years ago. You know, this, this notion that you turn up um, and you say, buy my product because we're great. Everybody says that. So um, everybody goes to market and says that. So what happens is that the buyer is um, completely ignores that. You know, if we go to a person's website, so HubSpot shows that when a person goes to a website to get information, we're generally only there for about two to four minutes. And the reason for that is that we're using websites generally to say, oh, that company actually exists. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I know that organizations that that do um, that send out uh, spam messages, you know, and phishing messages from from a cybersecurity perspective will have a website because they want to have some sort of level of legitimacy. So we all know from um, hanging around on the internet that um, that really uh, a, a website doesn't give us what we want, which is why sales now are, are, are changing and they're basically understanding that they need to stand out, they need to be different, they need to be authentic. What people are looking for when they go out and they actually um, want to buy something, and when I mean buy something, I'm not necessarily saying like a pair of shoes, but in a business-to-business sure. context where, you know, we may be spending 100000 or a million dollars on something. You know, we're going to be looking for um, an organization that's going to be around. We're looking for an organization that is um, a, a person in that organization that we feel that we can work with, not just in terms of the sales and the buying process, but also in terms of the, you know, if, if you're going to go out and buy a, a million dollar um, ERP system, you're going to w- want to make sure that the person that, that you're going to buy it from is going to be there if there's going to be any problems. They're not just going to disappear into the sunset. 
and and what social selling provides is this um, uh, uh, the, a position that people have uh, or a salesperson will have on the internet where people can go and and see in effect the shop window of that person. Is that person a person you want to deal with? Now, in some cases. Um, you know, people listening to this may think, oh, that's all very well, Tim, but I would never do business with you, Tim, which is great because I've actually qualified you out. And that's why social <laughs> selling is actually more is so efficient is that I'm able to qualify the people that are never going to buy from me out just as much as qualify the people that are going to buy from me in. Yeah. Um, and by positioning ourselves on social media as a way of providing insight or education or in even entertaining, um, what we're doing is that we're showing that there's a different different business relationship. We are that trusted advisor that we've, as salespeople, we've always wanted but have never been able to achieve. And that's, I think, the, the relationship and the promise that we're, that we're offering um, and the difference that we're going to be providing. And given the importance of online presence to these relationships, and I think your point about the website and how people use it is completely on point, I have a feeling that people use LinkedIn profiles in a very similar way to figure out who they're going to be talking to, how should they talk to them, do they want to talk to them, to your point. And yet, when we talk about the soft skills, and I'll speak from my perspective within procurement, there's a lot of talk about soft skills. It tends to be about influencing or active listening or effective communications. Very rarely is anything having to do specifically with social media included in that, which means that if there are best practices, which I have to think that there must be, we're not being educated on those. And so what is it and maybe you have direct advice about this that would apply to procurement specifically, but I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on what each of us can do to be better at using social media on our own behalf. I, I agree. I think that there's a, um, you used a word there, which is about influence. And this is about how can we, um, whether which side of the fence we sit on from a sales or a procurement perspective, how can we influence the people that we want to? And we know that people have short attention spans. We know that um, people aren't putting up with the um, the interruptions. So what is it or where can we go to get that influence? Um, so there's three things that you can do. And this is, it doesn't matter whether you're on sales, whether you're in procurement, whether you're in human resources. Um, in fact, the more people in your organization that you can empower to do this, the better. And when I say empower, and I mean, you say we're not being given the skills. And I totally agree. Um, we're being taught in organizations about diversity and inclusion and health and safety. And, and what we're do, what we're given are guide, guide rails in terms of this is, this is what you can do. This is the box that you can work in. Um, and these are the things that you can, um, uh, say and, and, and do. Um, and what happens is that actually in organizations, they're not, people are not given any advice at all, which, kind of surprises me because a lot of people think that going on social media is a risk, just like diversity and keeping yourself out of employee in tribunals um, is important. <laughs> That's what you need to be doing with social media. 
So the three things you can do, and this is the same for um, any person within an organization. The first thing is you need what we call, from a sales perspective, is a buyer-centric profile. Now, the way that, all the, that, that works from a procurement perspective is what you're doing is that you would present yourself a profile that would be attractive to the salespeople that you want. What the mistake that people make is that they either have a CV, um, they don't have anything at all, um, or what they have is something very, very vanilla. What your LinkedIn profile is, is a shop window to the world. There's 850 million people on LinkedIn. In effect, what they're doing is that they're walking past your shop window every single day. And um, what you want is someone to go, that looks really interesting, rather than just walking by and looking at the, the, the next one. Um, and you need to present yourself in a way where people are actually curious about what you what you do. So they come and look at your profile. Um, from my perspective, we see a massive transformation in that. From a sales perspective, there's probably many people listening to this that will say, salespeople, I don't believe what you say. I don't trust you. I'm not interested in you. And all you're going to try and do is try and sell me something I don't want. What we have is an opportunity to actually position ourselves and transform ourselves so we actually position ourselves for the people that we're trying to influence. So, you know, we're going to qualify. We don't, there's certain people that we want to talk to. There's certain people we don't want to talk to. But I'll give you an example. Um, one of our clients, um, Namos Consulting, they're a 100-person um, Oracle partner. And um, a procurement person was out there looking for advice and guidance. They had a particular business problem. They were looking for something. Um, they found this particular individual and they said, you look like you can help me. Can you help me? This is this is what, this seems to be what you do. Can you help me? There was then a conversation, a normal sales and procurement conversation that turned into a $2.6 million deal. And they've taken another half a million dollars out of that uh, quite recently. So this is where people are going on, seriously going onto social media and searching. Um, now there's a difference between search and discovery, but I don't really have time to go into that. Um, and and what they're doing is that they're because of the person, the way that the person set their, their stall out. Not only are there people finding and saying that's interesting, but they're, they're they're finding the person as in the real person and actually saying this is a person I want to do business with and walking towards them. That. That in itself is transformation. So that's the first thing that you need is to have a, a biocentric profile, a profile that is it is attractive to the people that you're trying to influence. The second thing that you need is, is to have a, a, a network. So this is a, a digital network. Again, this is about connecting to the people you're trying to influence. Um, it isn't just necessarily one person in an account. It could be many, many people. So, for example, BMW has 120,000 people in the uh, 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 in the company. Being um, a, um, connected to one person probably isn't going to help you. Um, one of my um, salespeople is uh, targeting a particular company. Uh, he covers oil and gas for me, and he's connected to a thousand people in this particular company. He's connected to the whole of the C-suite in the US, the whole of the C-suite in the UK, and he's connected to people right across the business. This is where he's actually able to influence um, and provide influence into that account, and he's more likely to sell into it. Now, the, the next mistake that people make is when they connect is they think it's all about it's all about me, it's all about my myself. Yeah. Um, in fact, um, 
it's actually all about the other person. Now, if the other person is going to connect, they're going to want to connect for a reason that you're going to provide them with, um, uh, that you're going to actually educate them. Now, um, it would be very arrogant of me to send someone a, a message and say, hey, uh, connect with me. I, great, I create some great content, which is sometimes what I get. It's like, so who says that you create great content? I, I'm certainly not saying that. I don't even know who you are. Um, so what you're trying to do at this point is trying to, when you connect, it's about them. It's about creating a conversation. This is, as we say, this is social media. This is not about pitching. This is not about pitching your product. It's about going out and creating a conversation, just like you would do at a networking event. You'd go up to somebody and say, you know, hey, um, how are you doing? Have you traveled far? Um, what, what brings you here? That sort of stuff. You're asking questions of, of people. And the third thing that you need is content. We know all of the research, McKinsey, HubSpot, Gartner, Salesforce, I can give you loads and loads of research um, that shows that people come to social media for to for to be educated. They're looking for insight. They're looking to be entertained. They're looking to solve that business problem. And what they're looking for is not brochures. They're not looking for people that are pushing out brochures through multiple employees. What they're looking for is insight. They're looking for, you know, tell me something I don't know. And the best way to do that is for the people in your organization to be empowered to create their own content, to, to share that out. When I say the people in your company, what you'll find is that this isn't just about sales, isn't just about procurement. It's also about HR. This is about how you as a business can actually become digitally dominant. And, and this digital dominance isn't just about leads and meetings and pipeline and revenue, which it can be, but it can also be about being the um, uh, the employer of choice within your uh, business. You now, if your employees are writing about the amazing ESG policy that you have or the amazing diversity policy or the STEM policy that you have, that's going to attract people to your organization. So we have a client, for example, that doesn't use advertising for jobs anymore. They don't use recruitment consultants anymore. Why? Because they don't need to, because they're active on social and they're sharing the things that they're passionate about. And if they're sharing the things that, are passion that they're passionate about, then that's going to attract the, the people with a similar passion to that organization. So the three things are biocentric profile, network and content, and, and they all work together. Um, and they work just in well in sales as it does in all other departments in the business. So I'm going to channel what I think the listening audience is thinking right now. I think they're probably thinking, okay, I need to have a, a profile that influences and connects with the kinds of people that I want to find. Excellent point. They're thinking, okay, right. I need to build out a network of relevant people that help me get the information I need or achieve the things that I want to achieve. Makes total sense. Content, not so much. Two out of three is not bad. If if you're a practitioner, I mean, I, I still in my heart think of myself as a procurement person, but when it comes to work, I accept the fact I am a writer, I am a podcaster, I host events, that's content. If someone listening in is a practitioner and says to themselves, but I'm not a content creator. I don't write. I don't want to make videos. Does that mean that they're sort of 
opted out of the social selling concept or is there still a way for them to participate and benefit from these dynamics? Uh, it means they're opted out of the digital world, yeah. But, you know, content is, c- content is um, the lifeblood of the way that people live today. You know, if we're sitting down, if I sit down with my partner at the weekend and say, hey, let's go to Iceland at the weekend. The first thing that we do is that we pick up our mobiles and we search for content. We search for search for the websites. We search for the best 10 places to, to, to visit when we're in Iceland articles. So um, content is also like a muscle. Um, what you'll find is lots of people out there have never actually had to create content. This is something new. Um, 20, maybe 25 years ago, we never had to use um, uh, PowerPoint or Excel. You know, when I was in sales, we first started in sales, um, we, um, I, we, the, the sales team had a, a sales administrator. Um, and when we were all given um, PCs, we were given a 386 PC with um, um, a copy of uh, Word. Um, 25% of the sales force left. They said, we're salespeople. We don't make, we don't t- do our own typing. <laughs> Where would we find the time to do that? Yeah. Now, of course, you think it's funny. And of course, even, you know, um, uh, children at school have been taught how to use PowerPoint and Word now for what, 15, 20 years. It's a, it's a standard thing. And this is what happens when the world changes. We have to change with it. Um, we know because all the re- all the um, research shows that people are coming online and looking for content. And as I say, it's just about building that muscle. It's about um, maybe going on a course, maybe learning about it. But it's about understanding that content is all around us, um, and content is a is a, a driving force for people to not only understand who, who who you are as a business, but who you are as a person, and. And if you're not putting out content, you are invisible. Can we think broadly or creatively about what content means? So, for example, if if I'm trying to start to strengthen this content muscle, does it count as content for me to take an article that I find interesting from CNN or the Wall Street Journal, share that link, and add a few comments suggesting why I think it's important or posing a question to my network. Does it count yes, well, as content for me to go to someone else's post and and put a really well thought through response? Does would that in, be included in what you consider content? Yes, yeah, so what we do is that we one of the things that we do when we teach people how to create content is the first thing is that we use a tool free tool called Flipboard, which is where you can find articles. Um, and usually what happens is that people start flipping the articles. Uh, the the only difficulty with that is that um, everybody is doing that, um, which is why people are searching for things that are more authentic and more original. But it's a great place to start. Um, and as you say, what you would do is that you may find an article and you say, um, I, I found I've got this article and I find it really interesting because of this. Um, and as you say, what you need to also be doing is going out and having. Um, digital conversation. So that's going on to going out and finding people who are um, uh, who you want to influence or maybe who are influential to you and going and having conversations, leaving comments. I found this uh, article really inspiring. Um, you know, I read your article and I, I like this bit and this bit and this bit. And then gradually over time, just as much as if you went to the gym 
and you started um, training or, or whatever, as you started building that muscle, what you'd find with content is you'd start seeing that content is all around you. Maybe, you know, when you go, for, you, you, you take the dog for a walk and you find it really inspiring. Well, share that. Um, or you, when you, you go to a particular place, you, um, uh, it reminds you of something. And people are looking, to, remember that people are looking about, um, about the, the content is not just about, um, the content isn't about just about your company or products. This is about you as well. We're going to build a long-term relationship with you as a person. So how can I find out about you? And it's, it's incredibly interesting to think about not only how some of these techniques and approaches are being applied within sales, but to both think about how procurement should be applying them and how we can use what sales is doing to better arm us or prepare us to have more productive conversations. Clearly, there is content out there that we should be leveraging to make sure that we are as informed as we possibly can be before we come into that potential value creating situation. So I think that this is probably sparking a lot of new thoughts. In fact, hopefully, if people have found this podcast on LinkedIn or on Twitter, they will join the content conversation, right? Get started on the right foot and put in a, a comment, share a thought about what you found interesting or inspiring or new. Um, Tim, as we start to wrap up our time, I'm going to pose to you a pair of questions. This is the traditional close to each one of these conversations I have on the podcast. And you get a choice between the two. They're close, but they're they're related, certainly. The first one is, what would be your definition of a sourcing hero? And the second question is, how would you define heroism in a business context? Um. I've, do you know, I've, I, I've met lots of procurement people over my time. Um, and I've, it's been interesting um, in the way that I see that short term and how I saw that relationship long term. Obviously, there was a, um, a relationship from a short term because there was a particular short term need. But also, what I found from a sourcing perspective was the way that they protected the organization that they were uh, they were working for. There was a very clear that there was a very clear vision in their head about that what they wanted. And while that may have impacted me possibly in my pocket, um, you, you have to respect them for the way that they went about that. And I think, if anything, um, I did a negotiation course way back in my career, and that changed my relationship with procurement people, partly because what you were taught was the language of procurement rather than, because as a salesperson, you get thrown into it and you don't know that there's actually this language going on. And once you actually understand the language, you were able to go to the meetings and, and get so much from it. Um, and I've met so many um, uh, procurement people in the past who, who because of this vision they had and because they were very clear and because they spoke in this language, in a way they, they, were, they were my sourcing hero. And I, I, I actually don't ever remember their names, but I remember them and I remember the experience. Do you understand what I mean, Kelly? Which is, and I think that that's quite often the, the biggest... Yeah. 
um, thing that I can um, that I can that I can offer, which is is the fact that I can, uh, that there's a there's that experience that I felt from them. And I think you're. It's interesting because your point about procurement having this sense that they need to. I think the word you used was protect protect the organization. That plays out in so many ways. I think it plays out in terms of we're trying to protect the bottom line. We're trying to protect the company against the risk of maverick or off-contract spending. And I think it ties directly to some of the things that have held procurement back benefiting from social media because we think by not participating, by not engaging, by not creating content, we are also protecting ourselves and the company. And if I've really heard everything correctly that you've shared with us today, maybe our protection trigger is a little bit light and we need to relax a little bit and just adjust enough so that we are not protecting the company at the risk of preventing them from getting benefits and forming what should be very strong productive relationships with our suppliers. Yeah, there's there's an interesting debate going on on LinkedIn. And if people follow the hashtag social procurement, what they'll see is a debate taking place about how procurement should be or should not be active on social media. And I think it's one of those things where the genie is out of the bottle. <laughs> and, and, and you know, we've got plenty of people trying to put it back in. But, you know, we, we know that 60% of the world's population are on social media. They're active. And active means that the average person spends two hours, 27 minutes a day on social media. And it's wow. not going away, regardless of what happens out there in terms of whether we have it gets taken over by different people or, 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 or whether there's a change. It, it's here to stay. It's not a fad. And we have to learn ways of embracing it. Um, and also, just like I learned the, the language of sourcing, people need to learn the language of, of social media and the way that it works. I totally understand that people may not or may not be creating content, and that may sound like a really scary thing. But just like the way I embraced deciding that I needed to actually learn to, to type and that we, we sometimes need to learn things as, as, as life, life and business evolve. Well, Tim, this has been a fascinating and very thought-provoking conversation. I, I appreciate you sharing your point of view on this. Certainly, I would encourage people to check out your book, which is Social Selling Techniques to Influence Buyers and Changemakers. But if people have enjoyed what they've heard, want to connect with you, want to learn more, what is the best way for them to find you or get in touch? The best place to get me, Kelly, is probably on LinkedIn. I'm um, Timothy Hughes. um, uh, Or you can go to our website, which is uh, dlaignite.com. Um, or I'm Timothy underscore Hughes on Twitter. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you. Uh, It's been great talking to you, Kelly. Um, Really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. 
Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.